Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times with the latest NXT edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, getting over is back once again and we are here for a special NXT show given AEW this week will be AEW Full Gear Ultimate Preview. We decide to separate things out, give you some additional performance enhancing audio in your ear holes by breaking down everything that happened on a rather eventful edition of NXT this past Tuesday. As we begin every episode here of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, let's get right into it with me reminding you that this show So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Drop those five-star ratings on Apple. Take a couple moments out of your life. Leave a written five-star review as well. Let everyone know how much you love the show, why you listen. Tell them why they should subscribe. And if you do leave a five-star written review for us on Apple Podcasts, we will read it right here live on the show. Also, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at GettingOverCast. Every single time we have a new episode released, we drop it there first. We tweet live during the major shows and pay-per-views, premium live events, you know, every week, every month, whatever the case might be. GIFs, videos, news. We do it all on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Now, this is a unique show. It shouldn't be that long because we really are just breaking down the latest edition of NXT, which was quite an entertaining show, top to bottom, all things considered. There was some really good wrestling on the show, uh, some interesting storylines that have been developed for NXT Deadline, the final WWE premium live event of 2020. I believe that's going down on Saturday, December 10th, if memory serves correctly. Um, So, you know, a lot of stuff was developed for that show, including a new match type announced by none other than the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. We will discuss that in detail on today's show, but let's not waste any time. Let's just get Right into it, there were two big title matches on NXT this week, the Women's Championship and the Men's Championship, both on the line. We are going to go ahead and begin with the main event of NXT, which was that NXT Women's Championship, Mandy Rose defending against Alba Fire in a last woman standing match. Now, Alba got a video package promo early in the show, recalling what she has done recently to take out toxic attraction. And Mandy, it was interesting. She later had like some kind of Nikki Bella thing going on. And she cut a promo also cutting down every woman in the division that she's already toppled saying she's not a cliche, but a one in a billion superstar. Rose promised to leave with the title. Both of these were pretty strong, all things considered. It was a particularly solid promo for Mandy which made me think going into the match, well, that's definitely her last promo as champion because you're going to go out on a high note like that. Let's get into the match. Mandy escaped an early gory bomb attempt, but ate a tope suicida. Then she escaped another that would have gone through the announce table. Fire used a steel chair to block kissed by a rose and put her in a single leg crab. Alba came out of commercial with an Escalera flying senton outside. Mandy whipped her into a ladder and then Rose's knees seemed to like buckle in the ring. It was kind of random. Alba put her into a trash can before Mandy dumped her over the ropes with Fire selling an ankle and Rose selling the knee. They brawled between the barricades in that extra spot that NXT has 
with Mandy pushing Alba off of them into the steel steps, which was really a dangerous spot. Fire then caught her coming over the barricade with a super kick and did a gory bomb into the apron. But what needs to be noted here is Mandy literally just like hopped off the barricade with no plan. Like there was no offensive move that she was doing. She literally just did a little hop and then Alba super kicked her, which was so odd and strange. Alba used her bat to Mandy's ribs. Then she set up a ladder by the announce table and she was ready to jump off that ladder for her senton bomb, which is basically her new finisher. When out of nowhere, Isla Dawn from NXT UK appeared behind her, spit in her face. I thought it was gonna be a colored mist, but I didn't see any color on it. And then pushed her off the ladder through the table for the 10 count with Mandy Rose retaining the title. Isla then posed atop the ladder for a while as NXT ended with the lights flickering as they did last week during those two matches. So this went 12 minutes and most of it I would say was above average. Alba carried the entire thing. Mandy selling was relatively shit throughout the match. And holy crap, man, Mandy Rose is now 3-0 over Kaylee Ray, which it's just fucking absurd. Like, what the hell was the point of running this back just for Alba Fire now to lose again via interference? Who is being helped by this? It was just a total and complete waste of time. Now, is it smart to bring back Isla Dawn into a feud with Alba Fire, given that they had an issue in NXT UK? Sure, yes, that does make sense. But what is the purpose of this entire thing? Alba wins, and then what? She's still stuck in NXT, having already lost to Mandy three times. Alba loses and get called up. After losing to Mandy Rose three times and losing a feud to Isla Dawn, the options going into this match were to put the title on Alba Fire or call her up. And it seems like we're getting neither unless she's going to be the surprise fifth woman for the Raw team at War Games. And that's not impossible. But again, when it's a person who the main roster audience still does not know, that would be a pretty lackluster way to debut her, even though, of course, she would be incredible in that match. But on top of all of this, these main title reigns that we are now getting in NXT, mostly the men and women, meaning Braun Breaker and Mandy Rose, they are just getting as repetitive as repetitive can possibly be. They're like missionary position. The same thing every single night. It's the same thing over and over and over. It's like missionary position every single night. And the tribal chief, the head of the table... We're not interested in that. No, no. I'm no tribal chief, but I am the head of this table. And I'll tell you this, if I was the head of NXT's table, it wouldn't be going down like this. It is ultimately really frustrating to watch this product when these championships, both of them simultaneously, won't change hands and to put all of these title matches on TV when the titles never change hands. And I'm talking about the women's championship and the men's championship. And then you have Mandy Rose now, who has no direct challengers left. It doesn't seem like Indy Hartwell is set for the title. Roxanne Perez is probably your best bet, but she's 21 years old and does not need it yet. I just 
don't understand the decision-making here. Again, they were not forced to do this match. If you wanted this booking to debut Isla Dawn, fine. Why not have this be the finish for Halloween Havoc a couple weeks ago? They literally called her a witch, Isla Dawn. Witch, Halloween, it makes sense. And it would have made so much more sense for Isla Dawn to do this to Alba Fire at Halloween Havoc, given that toxic attraction were stuck at that haunted mansion. It was way more believable for Isla Dawn, or it would have been way more believable for Isla Dawn to do this and have someone else screw over Alba Fire, as opposed to the toxic attraction ladies making their way back, theoretically in an Uber, from this haunted mansion when they didn't have a vehicle and it seemed impossible for them to get back. In fact, it would have been perfect booking for them to do this at Halloween Havoc. Because if this was the creative for Halloween Havoc, sure, maybe we're still annoyed that Alba Fire didn't win the title, but at least we're not angry because it would have been sensible. This was almost like a slap in the face. So yeah, I don't understand the decision-making here. This has gone on way too far, both Mandy as champion, Alba losing as a challenger. You have to think she's completely out of the title picture at this point. I'm I'm kind of at a loss. That's the piece that I had to say on it. And it's frustrating. We'll see what they do kind of going forward here. Let's go to the other major match that was on NXT, the NXT Championship match, Braun Breaker defending against Von Wagner. Uh, Mr. Stone was thrown into Breaker by Wagner to open the match, but Braun ran through Von after that. Wagner chokeslam Breaker onto the steel steps base outside. He came back with a flying clothesline. There was a moment in the match where Braun ran the ropes. And I got to tell you, it was so blazing fast. The guy looked like Leo Rush, except he's four times his size. And I'm honestly not exaggerating when I say that. Go back, watch the match, or find the clip of him running the ropes. It's extraordinary how fast he is rope to rope in the ring. Wagner countered Breaker's spear with a fireman's carry finisher for a false finish. He blamed the referee as Braun rose behind him, which was a good camera shot. Vaughn then pushed Stone off the ring apron as Breaker slid off a second finisher attempt and hit his spear to retain the title in 13 minutes. There was nothing really wrong with this. In fact, you know, Breaker kind of kicking out of that finisher at 2.5 instead of 2.99, it kind of told you all you really needed to know about Wagner as a challenger. I thought it was a decent way for Braun to look impressive against another, you know, meaty man, but nothing much more than that. Big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> You know, Wagner has definitely become safer in the ring, and that is a positive, but he hasn't exactly improved in any significant way, and his finisher is atrocious. He can't cut a promo, doesn't have charisma. It's just, you know, the way I see it, it's not going to happen with him. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. And why he was pushed to the level he was initially in NXT, I have no idea. And speaking of pushes, why he pushed Robert Stone, or Mr. Stone, into Breaker at the bell, and then later off the apron when Stone was there to help him, those things didn't make sense either. I went three stars and a B minus here. You guys know I don't grade every TV match. You know, the the women's match, again, it was, you know, two, seven, five, three, kind of in the same vein. You know, the women's match was far more entertaining. This one was a little bit more technically sound, if, if that can really be said about a Braun Breaker-Von Wagner match. 
you know, the action was fine, I guess. Whereas the other finish was disappointing. This one, you expected Breaker to retain the title. And by the way, that was the right decision. It's one thing for Braun to have this long title reign. It happening simultaneously with Mandy makes both of them more difficult to digest. But Braun on his own, it's fine. Uh, We'll keep going. Breaker, he was admiring the title backstage after the win. JD McDonough approached him saying Braun would never be done with him. Apollo Crews then came up later saying the title was the one reason he returned to NXT. And when one challenge ends, another begins. So he basically had a de facto number one contendership match on NXT as well. That was Cruz against McDonough. And this was hot right from the start. Cruz broke a rear naked choke by falling backwards off the ropes. And he hit a moonsault off the apron. Then he hit a powerbomb transitioned into a lager bomb. JD botched a momentum climb up the turnbuckles. He also missed a PK in a really rough sequence for him, but he came back really strong. He had a springboard moonsault to save it. Cruz caught him on the top rope for an avalanche Olympic slam. That used to be, by the way, his finisher. They did an inside cradle counter sequence before McDonough caught Cruz with a Spanish fly. Fans chanted for JD, which was a little bit surprising. Cruz countered Devil Inside twice. Then McDonough countered a powerbomb with a code red, which is a great you know sequence there. JD dodged Apollo in the corner and then snapped his neck on the top rope, but Cruz avoided a moonsault and caught McDonough with what's basically the almighty spinebuster. For the clean win, Breaker and Cruz then stared each other down after the bell. The word banger was made for matches like this. This was one of the best NXT television matches of the entire year. These guys were perfect foils for one another and they could basically do anything that you wanted. The powerbomb code runner counter, that was sick. The only thing preventing me from going a little bit higher was the finish. It came kind of suddenly. Like Cruz has used the Olympic slam before as a finisher. I mentioned that to say he did an avalanche version of it and that didn't finish the match. And he also used to do the spin out powerbomb. That was another finisher. He didn't use either of them as a finisher here. The single arm spinebuster, it was surprising. Not that he can't do it, he's super strong. But for a guy his size, the other two finishing moves are way better And it was just weird to almost debut a new finisher with commentary selling it as that when you're used to seeing other things from him. But this was a fantastic match. Exactly what you would want from a de facto number one contendership match, you know, when you're going after a main championship. I want 4.25 stars and an A. You just really couldn't ask for more. Both these guys delivered. It was super entertaining. Easily the best match of the show. And to this point, I mean, we got... You know, AEW still to go, of course. We have a pay-per-view full gear and we still have SmackDown on Friday. But to this point, one of the top two matches of the week, along with Seth Rollins and Finn Balor over on Raw. Super entertaining. Uh, There was a North American Championship contract signing. Booker T presided over it. Everyone was suited up looking dapper except for Wes Lee. Uh, Booker put them all over. Carmelo Hayes said it's an honor to be in his fave five from a lowercase G to a big G. The girls see I got the money. $100 bills, y'all. He also said real recognize real. Mello said he knows Wesley will go to his limit, but that's where Mello starts because he's relentless. Wesley came back saying he's the new standard and will do whatever it takes to win. They signed and then it quickly got heated with Booker T laying down the law, uh, not letting them fight, dropping another phrase from the 90s, save that drama for your mama. This was a tremendous segment and I am not exaggerating when I say that. Booker T was on point to the end He should probably host every wrestling contract signing for the foreseeable future. He set the perfect tone for the entire thing. Mello was exceptional on the mic. Booker liked Mello's promo so much, 
he almost got lost, like with googly eyes staring at him while he was talking. I thought that was really cool to see, like a veteran really buying into what, not a rookie, but a neophyte is kind of going through. Wesley was okay on the mic. He got the job done. And they even called out the trope of contract signings ending with someone going through the table. Best of all, I'm even more hyped than I already was going into the match next week. And that is exactly what the purpose of doing a contract signing should be. At least that's what it's supposed to be. This was awesome. You know, the match you can say was the best moment of the night, the Cruz McDonough match. This was number two, as far as I was concerned. Now, Shawn Michaels, in other really big news, announced the debut of the Iron Survivor Challenge. And that match is gonna debut at NXT deadline. It's in fact gonna be two matches, one for the men and one for the women, featuring five superstars and lasting 25 minutes. And here are the rules. Two men or women are going to start with new wrestlers entering every five minutes until all five are in. The goal is for the participants to have the most falls in 25 minutes. And those can come via pinfall, submission, or disqualification. You win a fall, you get a point. You lose a fall, you go into a penalty box for 90 seconds. And whoever wins each match, they will become the number one contenders for the NXT Championship and the NXT Women's Championship. Now, the best way to describe this match is very, very close to a good idea. It's some combination rules-wise of a championship scramble without a championship, an Iron Man match, and a King of the Mountain match, which was invented in TNA. And it all just seems a little bit too convoluted. To start, the DQ aspect is completely unnecessary. It should only be falls via pinfall and submission, maybe knockout potentially. Like if you're, you have someone in a submission and they don't tap, but they can't continue. So those should really be the only way that falls can happen. That would immediately be an improvement. Then you look at the timing aspect and the last two competitors, they really do face a massive disadvantage only getting 10 minutes in the ring. Now that is countered by the fact that they're gonna be fresher. So perhaps they can catch up from a fall standpoint. But even if you ignore that, let's keep the timing aspect of the entire thing. The penalty box seems unnecessary. All they needed to do was deduct a point if you lose a fall. So that way you can both gain a point if you win a fall and lose a point if you drop a fall and your advantage can change as the match progresses. Otherwise, someone could basically get three points but get pinned four times and still win as long as the pins that they take are spread out amongst the other competitors. So like I said, this is very, very close to a good idea. You remove the disqualification aspect of it and you remove the penalty box aspect. And maybe you start with a triple threat. That way the final entrant gets 15 minutes instead of 10. And I think you have a fantastic match concept. It's just gonna be really tough to judge it until we see it at deadline. I'm certainly not against it. I like NXT trying new things. Clearly with war games basically getting called up to the main roster, they're looking for something else that can be unique to NXT that they can utilize. And like I said, trying new things is a positive. This one just feels a little bit too convoluted. One of those LOL TNA stipulation matches. Now that's at first glance. We will see what happens at NXT deadline. If it runs smooth, then shut my mouth. Congratulations, NXT. If there are 
hiccups and it is difficult to kind of understand and keep things separate throughout this entire match, then maybe they go back to the drawing board and next year they make some of the tweaks I'm talking about and just improve the flow of the match. But we're not gonna know until we get our first data points and those are not gonna come until NXT deadline on the 10th. One more thing with these matches before I keep going. They've got to have, what, like four referees like to count the falls? Can they happen anywhere? Can they happen outside the ring? Does everything have to happen inside the ring? But with disqualifications, people may be using objects. You have to believe there's like three or four officials that need to be involved in this match for it to actually be executed. Again, we will find out on December 10th. Let's get to the rest of NXT. Zoe Stark hit the ring to loud boos, saying her back is lighter, no longer having to carry Nikita Lyons. Stark ranted about getting thrown into a tag team with Lions. She said she accepted it, even though it wasn't ideal. She said they got pulled from the tournament, that tournament uh, for the women's tag team titles on the main roster, because she got hurt. But when Lions told her, it's okay, don't worry, it pissed her off because she was the one putting in all the work for the team, not getting hurt like Nikita did during social media work. Uh, She told fans, screw you for enabling that stuff. Stark said NXT is about her because she's the hunter and everyone else is the prey. This was really rough. It became obvious quickly why Stark wasn't called up after getting injured and why she's still in NXT. She is incredible in the ring, but she has a long, long way to go on the mic. The promo concept was okay, even if it was a little bit tough to believe. And worst of all out of this entire thing, the segment was way too long for no reason whatsoever. If this was half the length, Zoe Stark would have come off far better. They just kept her in the ring, cutting that promo for what felt like 10 minutes. I'm sure it wasn't, but it felt like that. She's just one of those people who really struggles to sound believable when they get upset. And if it sounds like an act, which this did, the crowd isn't going to buy it. But look, NXT's developmental And she needs to go through this developmental process, cutting promos. She did battle hard to get it done. So credit to her fighting through the entire thing. The worst case is that she's going to be the top tier wrestling member of a tag team. The best case is she figures it out on the mic and is able to become a single star in WWE. Either way, she's super talented. This was just not her shining moment. Wendy Chu backstage claimed Cora Jade said many false things, but also a couple that she hadn't heard since high school. So they did hit home with her. Wendy wanted Cora to think about what she said, promising to fight her next week and leave her with two black eyes. I'm liking this little feud between them. It kind of came from out of nowhere. They can both benefit from it. And their promos thus far, both of them have been very good. Cora Jade knocked it out of the park last week on her promo. Wendy Chu this week, you know, not as good, but still very, very solid. Andre Chase called Duke Hudson into his office to ask, why he threw in the towel during his match against Charlie Dempsey last week. Duke said he just couldn't stand seeing him in that much pain, and he did it so that he could fight another day. Chase bought it. Thea Hale then entered saying Duke was growing on her. This was fine. It's kind of just moving the storyline forward. Hudson, he actually seems to be thriving in this role, which is a huge positive. They finally found something that works for him. Uh, Donovan Dijak, at least that's what I expect his name to be. He poured some liquor while writing in a notebook saying he demands the truth either voluntarily or through beatings. He said NXT is a product of him and hard justice is on the way. Didn't Doesn't hard justice sound like a 1994 USA Network show that would air after Monday Night Raw? 
That's just what it came to me when I kept hearing him say that. Uh, we also got to see that he now has like a full beard. In the last few weeks, you know, this thing's just been a little repetitive. It didn't accomplish or advance anything. I assume that they're waiting to debut him at NXT deadline, maybe. I'm trying to count the weeks. That's still four weeks away. Uh, maybe they bring him in on TV next week and they build a first feud for deadline. That would make a lot more sense. I'm not sure what they're doing with Dijak, but these are getting repetitive and it's time to just shit or get off the pot. Uh, Briggs and Jensen fought the dyad. Ava Rain stepped in front of Jensen outside. That led to a huge tope suicida with Jensen slamming into the announce table. It looked really nasty, but it seemed like he was okay. Briggs had a great hot tag with that bouncing clothesline off the ropes outside. Kiana James interfered with Fallon Henley outside the ring. Fallon punched her and then she fell, she being Kiana James, into Jensen. That distracted Briggs, who ate ticket to mayhem with Dyad getting the win. The faces argued after the bell. James laughed in their faces. And then you had Schism there that was just kind of celebrating all together as this newly developed, I was gonna say newly formed, but newly developed, you know, faction, a group that they've now become. I thought it was a chaotic finish. Overall, the right team won. This was the fourth week in a row that Schism wasn't terrible. And that's a positive. You guys know I've been probably more critical of them than anyone else. But it's it's getting better. And it really took them reinventing the group. And Ava Rain, I guess, does have a significant amount to do to that. Again, I will never forgive what happened to Grizzled Young Veterans. But Schism, it's, it's improving. We'll see what happens here. Uh, Indu Sure fought two jobbers. Veer Mahan and Sangha returned to their old tag team name and gear. They squashed each guy between them while running. One of the jobbers legitimately looked 16 years old. Uh, they just destroyed these guys. Uh, they did an assisted elevated flying elbow drop. That served as the finisher with Veer getting the offense uh, in the win. After the bell, they said they and NXT fans have a great respect for the Creed brothers, but no one respects Indu Sure in America like they do in India. And they're gonna destroy the Creeds to make sure they earn that respect. The Creeds backstage refused to respect them because they got attacked from behind last week. Ivy Nile tried to convince them to go after the titles and not in sure now that Damon Kemp was out of their hair, but they disagreed. Now, obviously, I didn't expect these guys to wrestle in their suits, but seeing them revert back to the Indu share name and gear, it was a bit depressing. You know, I'm not exactly sure what they could have done, though. Like a different name, would it have hit better? Maybe. Slightly different gear, would that have changed? I don't really know. But I think we've seen plenty of people wrestle in what look like dress pants with like a button down shirt before and make it look good. And I don't really know why these guys couldn't have done something similar to that. You know, as long as they have that look still backstage and this is just their ring gear, I guess that's okay. But it just kind of feels generic and stereotypical in terms of what we saw on the ring. And they're both way better than that. And they've already on NXT during their time in NXT. They've shown that they're better than that. So look, as long as their mannerisms and you know don't revert and you don't have Veer roaring like a lion while he's wrestling, which is what happened on Raw, as long as that shit doesn't happen, I'm not gonna be overly critical of it. Uh, their promo did make sense. The delivery was okay. I'm gonna remain optimistic. And I do like them feuding with the Creeds initially. I don't love the idea of the Creeds getting beaten, which should happen if Veer and um, Sangha fight them. I don't love the idea of the Creed's losing, but they also don't have the titles right now. And if they're gonna take a loss, better for it to happen now than later. 
Uh, Indy Hartwell fought Tatum Paxley. The lights flickered at the bell, which I am now of the belief this was all just Isla Dawn the entire time. Uh, Indy ripped Tatum's mask off, but seemed to do it by accident. She tossed it to Ivy Nile at ringside, and then she drilled Paxley in the back with a forearm to get the win. Hartwell did seem legitimately like well-meaning in the moment. She's been looking good in the ring. The new finisher is horrendous, as I said last week. Indy is way better than a stupid forearm to the back. It sucks when Karrion Cross does it, and it's no better with her. Granted, the springboard elbow drop, you know, she botched it a couple times. You want to move on from that, totally fine. What about just a regular flying elbow drop? Or what about just something more unique that can be her? The forearm to the back, it's not unique. It doesn't speak to Indy Hartwell. I know she's being more aggressive as a character, but it doesn't have any attachment to her. It doesn't even have a name. So what's the point of it? Roxanne Perez congratulated Hartwell backstage. Then she asked about uh, Indy taking Paxley's mask off. Hartwell just was not having it, saying she's going to do whatever she needs to do to get into the Iron Survivor match. And Perez said she wanted into that match also. You know, fine continuation from their conversation last week. Their interactions make complete sense given their characters. In terms of them both being in the Iron Survivor Challenge, makes sense. They both should be. But with all of these women interested in being in the challenge, who is there interested in contending for Mandy Rose's title before that happens? Or are we not having title matches on deadline and these two bouts in terms of the main titles are the big matches and Braun and Mandy just won't defend the titles at all? We're going to find out, I guess. Uh, Scripps was back with another voicemail. It said, your cameras couldn't catch me. I got past your guards with ease. Now that I'm here, everything after this will only be a breeze because I'm fast as lightning, smarter than you think. Moves are incredible. You'll miss it if you blink. Next week, you will see that you and I aren't the same. So tell me who's first to play a little game. There's also imagery of a person in a black hoodie sitting in an empty performance center. So I keep thinking about this, like, who could this be? And after all of these weeks, I just couldn't come up with anything. And, and one thing I even mentioned is everyone's making an assumption that it's a guy, right? But what if it's not? What if it's a woman instead? I'm now going back on that. I think it's a guy because the verbiage in this last voicemail, I can only come up with one person because theoretically this Scripps character is not going to be someone new debuting from the Performance Center who we just haven't seen on TV before, right? It's not just going to be a no-name person where you say, oh, okay, they're scripts. Theoretically, it should be someone that we've seen before that is getting repackaged. And the only person I can think of who fits this, you know, fast as lightning, moves you can miss in a blink, the only person who has not been on WWE television since Triple H took over, that is otherwise healthy as far as we know. That's Reggie. So that is my official prediction. Going into next week, Scripps is Reggie. Am I going to be right? Probably not. But again, it's the only person I can think of. A couple more things on the way out. Javier Bernal backstage said he's about seizing opportunities and issuing challenges. He wanted Axiom. Uh, Mackenzie Mitchell, who was doing the interview, reminded him that Axiom is not medically cleared. So then he said, okay, I want Isla Dragunov. And Mackenzie reminded that he is back in Germany rehabbing. Bernal then challenged anyone from Gallus, and Mackenzie reminded him they're all suspended. So he officially blamed Mackenzie Mitchell for holding him back. 
After a couple months of Bernal stuff being relatively eye-rolling, this was fantastic. The guy has a ton of personality. This was a really smart chicken shit heel type of segment, something that you would get on the main roster from The Miz, or maybe even further back in the day from Dolph Ziggler. I found it very enjoyable, and Bernal was great. Mackenzie Mitchell, though, was awesome playing off him as well. And lastly, Odyssey Jones was chilling with the guys, asking Malik Blade why he wore a sweater vest. Blade explained that it was an ode to his dad who passed away and used to buy them for him. It was kind of random to like just throw this into a segment, but to be candid, it's actually something I've wondered about for like a year. Why does this guy wear sweater vests? So they answered my question. So was it random? Sure. Was it beneficial for me mentally? Yeah, because it gave me an answer to a question I've been asking for a really long time. But why did they do it? I have absolutely no idea why they actually did it on television. So look, that was NXT this week. You know, when we don't have a big show coming up, like an ultimate preview for NXT deadline, there's only really so far we can go analyzing the product itself. And also, you know what, folks? It's nice to do a short episode every once in a while. So I'm glad that we got to do this in its own vacuum, separate from AEW. What that also allows us to do, though, is... One day from now, at least when this is taped, on Thursday, we will have your AEW Full Gear Ultimate Preview. We're going to break down everything that happened on Rampage and, of course, the Go Home Dynamite. We will break down every single match on the card with predictions, picks, analysis, the whole shebang. And then this weekend, of course, once AEW Full Gear goes off the air, we will come back with an AEW Full Gear Instant Analysis Podcast. Also, do not forget, we already have a WWE episode in the can this week. So if for some reason you're listening to this, you have not heard that yet, make sure you listen to our WWE episode. We talk about the build for Survivor Series War Games that heated up massively this past week. We also talk about who could potentially be the fifth members of the babyface teams for men and women in the War Games match, potential returns, surprises, and we also go over Austin Theory getting a major rebound coming out of his booking on Raw two weeks ago. So you do not want to miss that WWE edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. But what you also don't want to miss is leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts because here at Getting Over, it's all about so please leave those five-star ratings on Apple and Spotify. Drop the review for us on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, we will read it live right here on the show. Please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Not only for the episode drops and all the things we talked about earlier, but you get to vote in pre and post show polls ahead of and following AEW Full Gear. So we get your expectation grade and your final grade for the show. And you can participate in our live show on Twitter Spaces, AEW Full Gear pre show. It will go down live one to two hours before the pay per view goes on. So again, every reason in the world to follow us on Twitter at Getting Over Cast. Thank you all for joining this special NXT edition of Getting Over. It is now time for the Silver King to sign off and leave you with just three final words. Bye for now.